Vegas Inc. Radio. I'm Dylan Goldberg, host of the show and business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Over the next half hour, we'll be turning our attention to the long-standing problem of long hauling in the Las Vegas Valley. But first, we turn our attention to the Las Vegas Strip. One casino there closed recently, another rebranded with a new company, and the sportsbook saw record sales and wins on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Joining us to talk about that is reporter Ron Sylvester. Welcome, Ron. Well, hi. Hi. Um, so you've been up and down the strip, as you normally are. And let's say uh, goodbye to Bill's first. Uh, Bill's Gambling Hall and Saloon is no longer. Yeah, uh, the doors closed at um, noon last Monday, and uh, they um, are, are going to be closed for the next year as Caesars Entertainment uh, revamps it and... Um, uh, rebrands it as a new uh, casino, new resort, new um, uh, name, and uh, you know it used to. It, it opened at the Barbary as the Barbary Coast in like 1979, and that building stood there on um, uh, less than an acre of land. It was one of the smallest. Um, one of the smallest lots on the strip, but it stood there. Uh, well, uh, you know, nineteen seventy nine. That's forever by Vegas standards. Absolutely, and so it's been. Uh, how long has it been Bills? Well, it's been Bills since about two thousand and seven. Is when um, uh, Caesar's Entertainment took it over. It was then Harrah's, and of course, Bill was was Bill Harrah, their founder. And uh, but before that, it was the Barbary Coast. It was one of the the uh, coast casinos. Uh, by Michael Gahn, and it was um, uh, you know when it when it opened it, it like cost something like eleven million dollars which I think a bargain later yeah later um, they sold uh, the land for more than they built it for uh, in 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 the early two thousands but it was um, uh, you know it, 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 it was quite an iconic structure and, I, and a lot of people were upset I got a lot of uh, uh, calls and things after the story ran uh, that that. You you know, people uh, are always kind of upset when when um, uh, an iconic landmark like that, uh, you know, shuts down and is changing. But this is part, you know, this has always been part of um, uh, a bigger vision uh, for Caesars. It was like uh, included uh, in in the 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 big purchases they were making when they ended up owning uh, the east side of the strip and except for the MGM Grand but but uh, you know this is one of those the, those purchases and I think when they took it over in 2007 they always knew that they were going to make a change and and this kind of goes along with the new link project and the um, uh, renaming of uh, uh, and rebuilding of the Imperial Palace they're doing a they're, they're doing uh, a lot of the same things uh, at what is now the quad but it used to be the Imperial Palace but but for bills they just shut it down for a year to redo it and the Imperial Palace slash now the quad which is actually getting a new sign this week and as we speak um, that never shut down that the 
renovations happened while it was still serving people. Yeah, and I mean it's still it's still ongoing. You can you can go down the strip and see the the scaffolding, and you can actually watch the uh, front of the the old Imperial Palace just you know peel off uh, before your eyes. And uh, but but bills they shut down, and it's it's kind of you know a, a, a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of the younger people who go to the strip, really loved bills because uh, like O'Shea's before it. It was, uh, you know, kind of one of the the less expensive places. Um, you know, people kind of More like that, that grittiness of the old. I call it the grittiness, but the grittiness of the old Vegas. That's a nice way of saying it, it was really smoky and and uh, inexpensive. But uh, but 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 people like to, you know, it was a party place. People like to. Um, uh, Party there, and 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 uh, they kind of lament, you know, when those places shut down. And we've heard about Dre's, the after-hours club that's going to be on the top floor pool um, outdoor club. What other changes are in store for? Well, they're going to put a restaurant up on the second floor. They've got the rooftop um, Dre's going in. I mean, all the all the rooms are going to be remade. New casino. I mean, you know. Basically everything. I don't know if much is going to be left of that uh, building, except for maybe the, the the you know the bare bones of it before they rebuild it. And we don't know what its new name is going to be yet. No, no, they're they're going to rename it something. Um, you know, people were surprised about the quad. We'll see how uh, you know what what they come up with for for Bill's Gambling Hall. Absolutely, and the quad are the renovations as. Uh extreme there or it's more just a facelift are the rooms getting redone in the casino that, yeah they're, they're the, I mean the whole casino is getting redone they're expanding the casino at the quad it's it's going to be a uh, I mean and and the outside of it is is going to be redone too by the same people who did uh, Red Rock and so that's going to get a, a really spiffy new look and 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 Right around that corner there, uh, you know, it's 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 all going to lead into the new link project with the high roller. So you know, it's it, you know, it's it, it's about making that corner kind of fit in with the rest of uh, um, you know the the project as the new entertainment uh, and you know. Uh, Retail district. And where does uh, construction on the link stand? What's going on there? The uh, well, the 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 you can watch the the big uh, Ferris wheel or observation wheel. I mean, you can kind of watch that go up, and uh, there's just a lot of activity. But but it's, it's not except you know there's there's things on the quad. There's 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 things being done in in, in front of the casinos. But most of it's kind of going on back behind the flamingo. Can you see giant? Ferris wheel sticks like you can down by Mandalay Bay. Um, you know, that's that's going a little bit slower. You can see them actually because the the buildings are so, so tall on the strip. You can actually see them better from Koval. Gotcha. Um, well, let's move down the strip and off the strip a little bit to the LVH. Uh, they recently announced a new partnership with the Red Lion. Yeah, you know, and and the LVH has been struggling for the last couple of years. They they uh, lost the the Hilton name, although people still around uh, town call it uh, the Las Vegas Hilton. It's now the the H stands for hotel. It's now the LVH. You know, in the Las Vegas Hotel, but you know they 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 lost that around 2011. They were uh, they went into foreclosure. They were sold to um, the uh, investors uh, affiliated with Goldman Sachs, and so they've really been, kind of been struggling. So they signed this new. Um, uh, kind of licensing agreement with uh, Red Lion, which is a um, uh, hotel chain that um, 
owns and or operates uh, about 48 uh, properties, mostly on the West Coast in Canada, uh, Seattle, Anaheim, uh, Portland, um, places like that. And they're kind of mid-priced hotels. And then they, they decided they wanted to kind of... Um, upgrade and, and, and get some kind of, you know, what they call uh, premium properties. So they, they started this new um, kind of, you know, um, uh, luxury brand. And uh, the LVH is the first one uh, to, to sign with that. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, the LVH has almost 3,000 rooms and uh, the uh, Red Lion chain itself uh, has 48 hotels and they've got a total of 9,000 rooms. So this ups their rooms by a third, uh, you know, their, their room inventory. But what this does for the LVH is it gives them uh, access to uh, Red Lion's database, uh, the people who are, um, you know, have, are members of their loyalty, um, uh, you know, customer brand. They can, they can use that to get um, uh, discounts and things with uh, the LVH. And so the LVH looks at this as a move that will, you know, up their room occupancy. And so it's kind of a, um, it's, it, it's kind of a good thing for both of them because um, uh, Red Lion has more rooms it can market and the LVH can take advantage of an established uh, brand that, uh, you know, will get marketing from uh, Red Lion, will get um, uh, advertising from there, and and uh, hopes that they can help fill their rooms. Do you think it dilutes the appeal of the LVH? I mean, to be associated with the chain part of the appeal of Vegas is it's unlike anything else. So if you're staying at a Red Lion, do you think that'll hurt LVH in relation to its competition? Well, you know, that's that's difficult to say because um, you know, uh the uh I mean I mean these these resorts have become chains. I mean, I mean Caesars runs Caesars and MGM run um uh hotels all over, the, you know, and casinos all over the country. Uh and even the Cosmopolitan is uh, tied in with the Marriott brand. And so, um you can have um you, you, you know, so I, I I think, you know, for some of these, uh, you know, properties that have been struggling, you know, it, right now it seems like a good deal. I mean, only time will tell whether this particular chain will kind of, you know, help restore them. I, I, I know that they've struggled since they've lost that Hilton brand. And while Red Lion isn't exactly Hilton, uh, you know, it, it does give them some of those same advantages. Absolutely. And as a, a customer, if I walk into the lobby in a couple months, will I see anything different than I would have? You might previously? see a little you might see a little sign that that distinguishes them, but 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 one of the things about this is that you get to keep you get to keep your uh, local management, you get to keep your your sign your brand there's no plans to change the name and so uh, but you just get access to their um, their uh, reservation database and and some of the amenities that that come along with having an established um, uh, company like uh, you know a, a, you know a, a kind of kind of a, you know a broader scope um, you know it helps with online reservations stuff like that the LVH will still have its sales department and it will still continue to sell 
uh, its meeting space and its uh, and its hotel on its own. This just helps them. So now instead of you know one department uh, trying to sell all those hotel rooms, it's um, uh, now you've got um, you know the, you know the, the, it's kind of like adding an extra sales staff. So you know I mean we'll see if uh, Red Lion is you know strong enough to support this. Like I said, they've got a lot of uh, hotels and a lot of uh, uh, customers who come. To the West Coast, so now that they now they can use it to market Las Vegas too. Well, that'll be interesting to see a change on the strip. Um, let's talk about um, Super Bowl. That's already last week, and many people moved on, but um, it was quite a good day for the casinos and the sports books. Um, it was the twentieth time in the last twenty-two years the casinos won money on the Super Bowl. Um, Ron Sylvester, who I'm talking with here on Vegas Inc. Radio, you spoke to some of the handicappers that um, maybe don't, don't make a living on this, but at least uh, make a lucrative hobby out of it. Right, and by the way, they they they, they also won money off me too. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, I, I to lost, hear that. I lost money on that, but uh, but it is kind of fun. No. Uh, we we had talked to a few people who aren't professionals. I mean, the sports books do draw you know quite a few people who you know make their full living off of betting sports, and um, uh, I'm, I'm glad it's not my job. But there, but there are a few people who are who have become so successful as amateurs that other people will listen to them. And and, and we talked to a few of those. Um, there was a Brady Cannon who runs a uh, golf service here, where he uh, you know hooks people up with with golf courses and tee times and and things like that. And and he has um, uh, he and his buddies have won uh, the big uh, handicapping um, uh, contest at the LVH during football season, and 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 not. Not this year, but in 2011, and they they took home. There was four of them, and they took home like three hundred thousand dollars. Not bad. In picking, yeah, and picking the best games, you know, uh, makes my uh, uh, fifty dollar loss looks look pretty me- measly. But um, they, you know, but 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 he bets every week and uh, has gotten. Um, you know, uh, kind of kind of his own following on Twitter, and uh, he's. Um, He's uh, you know been uh, invited to this year. He was invited to uh, you know kind of be one of the experts um, you know for one of the gaming publications here in town. So he's 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 become pretty um, uh, fluent in that. And then uh, Kelly Stewart is a cocktail waitress at uh, Hyde Nightclub at the Bellagio, and she's she she's won like uh, uh, six. Uh, a half dozen or more parlays uh, since last year, and so she's you know, and and, and if you you know uh, bet a hundred dollars on those, you can win six thousand. So she's she, she's done that. She runs a, um, a website called Hottie Handicappers um, and has done some um, uh, videos on YouTube for Don Best Sports. But she but but she. Picks her, you know, own games, and uh, uh, also is, uh, um, you know, kind of, kind of has been featured around town. And then there's um, a uh, third guy who just goes. He goes by uh, his name's Larry. Larry Kozarski, and but he goes by Larry K. Everybody knows him as Larry K. And he's a, he's an auto salesman in town, and he. Um, um, 
writes uh, for uh, Anthony Curtis's uh, Las Vegas uh, advisor uh, on a, um, uh, a subscription um, uh, kind of conversation board where people share their, their their thoughts about sports betting. And he bets like every day. And so uh, they, they don't make their living at that, but they are, uh, you know, pretty good. Although they all uh, like the 49ers to win and they were all wrong. Absolutely. Well, you and me both were part of the almost $99 million that uh, gamblers wagered statewide and yeah. the casinos did quite well. How'd you do? Not so well. <laughs> All right. Well, for all of those listening, you're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio. Um, we're part of Waking Up with the Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. I'm your host, Dylan Goldberg, business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Joining us now is reporter Rick Vallada. Welcome, Rick. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Thanks. So you had a wonderful article in today's Vegas Inc. on the cover um, looking uh, analytically at long hauling and, and sort of the enforcement question or lack thereof, some some might say. So why don't you give us a breakdown of what you found? Well, it, it's actually a, a pretty expansive problem, as, as you know, Dallin. The uh, long hauling has been something that has been plaguing the Las Vegas tourism for years and years. And uh, recently, the, the, the Nevada Taxi Cab Authority brought in a new administrator, and one of the first things he wanted to do was to, to get a grip on the long hauling problem. And he addressed this by um, setting up a um, big uh, checkpoint at the airport and uh, making a big uh, production out of it as far as uh, publicizing it, letting people know that it was going to happen, putting up signs at the airport, all kinds of things. And then what we have found is that um, the uh, while the uh, prob- the program was applauded by a lot of people, including the, the director of the Department of Business and Industry, that in fact uh, it didn't have much of an impact at all. Uh, they, a press release was issued by the department uh, calling the Nevada Taxicab Authority the agency of the year and saying that they had um, written more than 600 citations for long hauling, which if you think about it is really kind of a drop in the bucket anyway because there's 27 million uh, taxi cab rides given in Las Vegas uh, every year. But let's just go with it, 600 uh, long hauling citations. Well, we found after examining all the records that the Nevada Taxi Cab Authority provided to us that there were actually closer to 120 c- citations issued. And those were issued by just a group of, of a few uh, officers who worked on the graveyard shift. So Really, the, the, and some of the adjudications of those 120 that were that were uh, cited, uh, only like 78 people uh, pl- pled guilty, and a lot of other ones were thrown out for other reasons. So, really, was is that much of an impact that uh, is deserving of a of an agency being called the agency of the year? I don't know. I'll, I'll let the readers decide that. But uh, the fact is, is that it's still a problem, and there are still some things going on within the agency that. People think are people believe are hampering the effort to uh, make long hauling go away. So it's a it's a it's a problem that's going to continue to exist unless some other uh, some other suggestions uh, that have been made are implemented. In my opinion, now I think one of the most shocking statistics besides the hundred and twenty number is that out of the some twenty seven million taxi rides, if you look at the hundred and twenty violations. I'm going to get the number wrong because I don't remember how many zeros, but it's something like... Six zeros. Point, okay, so point zero 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 four percent of tickets, of rides are 
Long haul. Long haul. Citations. Yep. Which we know anecdotally, it's much more than that. I, yes, I, I think that that's the case. And, you know, one of the things that the, the Tax Cab Authority often says is that one of the reasons why it's so hard to prosecute these things is because the victim in these cases, uh, they're, they're tourists. They don't want to hang around to, to file the paperwork necessary to, to make this happen. However, if you employ some good um, techniques in terms of uh, patrolling this, and some of the officers that I've talked to have kind of explained to me how you do it, it's, it's actually a pretty simple process. You, you go to a cab stand at one of the local resorts, you uh, check the meter, ask the uh, passenger where he came from. If it doesn't check out in terms of how much it cost versus the length of the trip, then they have probable cause to, to further investigate the, uh, the, the, the problem. If that occurs, then they can write a citation right then and there because they have enough evidence in hand that they can write the citation. It doesn't take a, a complaint from the uh, passenger in that case. So uh, that's something that I think needs to happen more frequently is that the, these officers who work for the taxicab authority, if they're going to go out and try to enforce this, they're going to need to actually do some police work. And it may be a little bit boring. It may be kind of drudgery a little bit. But it's a part of the problem, and it's something that they need to, to do more vigorously is to uh, use some of these common techniques that uh, some of these uh, officers who, who write most of the citations use in order to, to fix the problem. Now, why isn't this happening? I mean, I know it's happening to some degree. They, they do these stakeouts, and then the cabs find out, uh, cabbies, and tell their friends. But why, why don't they go to 10 resorts for half an hour every day and do this? Well, part of it's the element of surprise. They, want to, uh, they, want to, they don't want the uh, taxi industry to know that they're doing this because what usually happens is when they start writing these tickets, some of the drivers will contact each other and they'll say, hey, there's a, there's a, a bus going on over at uh, X hotel. So they, they don't, if, you, if you're going to drive a, a, one of your fares there, don't long haul them to that particular place because they're, they're having an enforcement action. But what the, um, you know, what the, the, the officers I talk to, what they do is they only hit the place for like maybe an hour and then they'll move on to another place so that they have that element of surprise. So th that's, that's the reason why they don't uh, just, uh, you know, camp out for a, a lengthy period of time. They just need to, to move around a lot and that's part of the, part of the strategy. Well, and I'm guessing I know the answer to this question, which is probably going to be money and manpower, but why not just monitor every ride? Money and manpower. That's <laughs> you're, you're, you're exactly right, Dylan. It's, it's one of those uh, circumstances where they, they really don't have enough officers to, to adequately patrol these. And, and, you know, even though long hauling comes up as, as a, a hot topic on a frequent basis, there are other things that they need to do. They, they're watching for other violations. They have to investigate accidents. They um, uh, are, are watching out for the welfare of uh, drivers. They have to patrol over in the areas where the um, conventions are going on to make sure that the uh, cabs are, are loaded properly and in, in an orderly fashion. So there's a whole lot of different assignments that they do, uh, but besides long hauling, but the, the fact remains that this is a, a, an undermanned uh, department it's something that uh, I think that uh, the D Department of Business and the Industry uh, Director, uh, Bruce Breslow, he, he admits that that's something that's a problem, that they need to get more people in there. But um, there's simply not enough money to go around. And when you're talking about the Department of Business and Industry, you're not just talking about the Taxi Cab Authority. You're talking about the uh, uh, 
uh, a number of other regulatory agencies that are within that department. Um, I think there's uh, 14 of them. So it's it's one of those things that the, the, the small amount of limited resources has to be spread around, and that's his job is to make sure that uh, each agency gets a, a fair amount of what's budgeted. So it's 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 problematic, and it's not something that's likely going to go away uh, from that perspective. Now, you mentioned a lot of duties of the Taxi Cab Authority, all of which sounded perfectly valid and viable. Um, however, there are some critics of the authority that I, I believe might be part of the authority that say that um, the administrators are misguided, maybe, in where they're focusing their attention. There's um, patrols out there worried about counterterrorism and drugs and security at board meetings as opposed to worrying about long hauling. Yeah, this is this is one of the things that the new administrator has brought in is to try to train uh, some of the officers using some of the expertise that is already within the department to to kind of bulk up some of the the knowledge that the, each of these people have. The the question I think that uh, that the most of the critics have though is whether or not that's really something that's uh, a function of the. The, the taxi cab authority, you know, their their responsibility is to regulate the cab industry and and not to go out and find gangs and uh, make bus for for drug arrests things like that. Well, I guess uh, in defense though of the uh, of the authority, when you have a police force that is just focused on those those tasks, um, it's not really sexy police work, and you want to go out on a murder investigation or you want to go out on a robbery or something like that. But the, the fact is, is they need to have a, a force of people that are dedicated to that regulatory responsibility. Now, Mr. Harvey does say that um, he has a, a core group in there now that recognizes that, but they just want to expand their knowledge and to give them some, some other um, uh, information on how to deal with certain things in case they come up against it. Whether that's a waste of resources or not, I'm not going to make a judgment on that, but I think a lot of critics have made that judgment, and they think that you know, providing information on counterterrorism and, and gang-related uh, activities is not something where the Taxi Cab Authority needs to be. Got you. And I also thought it was interesting, um, you mentioned that the Taxi Cab Authority was named uh, Agency of the Year, and Bruce Breslow essentially admitted, yeah, Maybe they didn't deserve that, but I felt bad. They're trying, and well, they it, need some recognition. Yeah, he, he, he thinks they deserve it. It's just that the way he, he the way he did it, I think, was a little bit uh, misleading to the public. Uh, you know, we get this this release that says that this is the agency of the year. Well, the fact is, is there never has been an agency of the year. Uh, Mr. Breslow uh, admitted to me that it's something that uh, he cooked up just to to, to boost some morale and to uh, call it public attention to the fact that. Uh, that this group is trying hard to to solve a, a serious problem in here. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I, I'm not going to make a judgment on that either. But uh, at the same time, you know, you have to to wonder whether um, you know how many other things out there might be uh, we're might getting misled about by by public officials who who uh, make these types of pronouncements. And that's why everybody should read Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun because we are your watchdogs to uh, make you aware of such things. We try to do that, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to put the plug in there. Um, and and the discrepancy between the 600 um, tickets that the agency said they found and the 120 that we found, they chalked it up to computer glitches? Yeah. One of the things that, uh, that uh, Mr. Harvey had, had indicated to me was that uh, in addition to being undermanned, understaffed, uh, they also have a lot of inadequate equipment. And one of the things that uh, 
that he shared with me is that the uh, accounting system and the system that they have to keep their records is not uh, the most modern of computer programs. So uh, he felt that there were some uh, uh, errors in terms of how the uh, information was, was uh, entered into that program and then distributed uh, to us. Um, you know, again, that's another instance where we're talking about um, not enough money to take care of some very basic problems. I mean, if you don't have a basic accounting system for uh, uh, keeping these police files in, in an accurate and uh, orderly way, it, it's going to cause some problems down the road in terms of some of their prosecutions. So ho hopefully this is something that, um, that the uh, uh, legislature is paying attention to as well so that they can look at the possibility of, of funding the Department of Business and Industry more so that more resources can be put into small agencies like these that have an important role in our community, in our, in our tourism industry, but they just don't seem to, to have the, uh, I don't know, the, the appeal, there's not an, any appetite to, to spend more money on these types of things. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Rick. And for our, our listeners and readers who want to know more, visit VegasInc.com. You can read Rick's full story and see our database of all the long-hauling violations and, in fact, all the taxicab authority tickets that were issued in 2012. You're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up With The Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source.